Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Welcome to a new episode of Dreams and Money podcast. Uh, this is your host, Noma, and I have an amazing guest with me today. Her name is Silla Owusu who is an amazing screenwriter and producer. She's also a music video director and producer, as well as founder of the Young Entrepreneurs Social Action Organization and was also listed on the Forbes Africa 30 and 30. Welcome, Silla. Hello. Hey, thank <laughs> hey. you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So um, can you tell everyone a little, just a quick little intro about yourself and who you are and all the amazing work that you you do? So my name is Salah Urisu. I'm 23 years old. I'm Ghanaian, based in London, and I'm a director, producer, and a writer. And I also have an organisation called Young Entrepreneurs that's based currently in Ghana, where we help invest in the creative arts industry by providing opportunities for the youth to help groom them to become creative entrepreneurs. Just to give everybody context about the sort of work you've been doing in the past years. So Sela has worked with a lot of artists that you would recognize by name. So that includes Mr. Easy, Stone Boy, Burner Boy, Sakode, Diamonds Platinums, Wanda Cole, Malik Berry, Naira Mali. Um, I could go on and on. Um, how has that journey been for you working within the creative industry particularly music industry um, it's been really fun um, I mean like I mentioned I'm Ghanaian I love Afrobeats so getting to work with a lot of these musicians that I listen to their music is it's quite fun especially when some of them when you meet them they're really pleasant and um, fun to work with and allow you to execute your ideas it's a, it's a great space I enjoy it. Of course, I, I would work with any genre. It's not just African music, but it's just that African music happens to be the category that like I get the biggest artists from. So it's like I'm more popularly known in that genre of music compared to like UK or hip hop or American yeah. artists. So because you are the music video director sometimes or the producer, which is quite a big role or the biggest role on set, how have you got to that space, you know, where people trust you enough to give you their work and to produce their, their videos? That's a good question. So what I would say for me that helped was just being confident, number one. And when I say being confident, I don't just mean about pretending to be confident, but being confident in your work. So before I actually started producing, I was actually researching what was actually consists of the role of a producer and learning about a producer from all aspects, from a film perspective and from a music video perspective. And even when I, I hadn't officially launched myself as a producer, I was still going on set trying to get experience and watch from other producers and directors and asking questions and always just trying to find extra knowledge where best so that when somebody approaches me, I can answer all their questions with confidence. Because sometimes it's not just about people wanting to work with you because, you know, because you're like, maybe you're good looking or maybe because you're friendly or whatever. People like to work with people who know what they're doing. And if you don't sound confident, nobody's gonna one trust you with their money and two trust you with their time nobody mm. wants to give you something and then you, you just waste their time because even if I was to shoot something for somebody for free but I'm still not knowledgeable about what I'm doing the person st- it will still be a loss because they've lost their time when they could have probably got somebody more professional to get the job done and save their time so I would definitely yeah. say building my confidence and with that it helped to build my brand as well because the more people I worked with they could see that I'm a credible person 
end. It's not just about being credible when it comes to delivering the outcome for the job, but also the service you give on set and how you actually treat people, because that goes a long way as well. You could do oh, a great video for somebody, but how you treat the people on set and how you speak to them is what's going to help determine when you're going to get your next job or your next client, because that's all a part of your reputation. So those two things yeah. definitely helped to shape me to where I am today so at this point it's like your your reputation and your hard work and your knowledge really precedes you and you know it pushes you further and it's almost like a word of mouth situation where it's like because people know you always produce great work and you come through ready to work prepared you know what you're doing and of course you're friendly you know it makes people want to work with you even even more and they're more likely to recommend you or stuff as well so in terms of like you're you're a woman and one of the very few women in the music industry who are video directors what has that experience been like because I can imagine it's not been the easiest especially in a male-dominated field yeah, I mean, every every field has its ups and downs. And what I would say, I started producing when I was 18. I still produce now, but like I was solely was producing when I was 18 up until I was about 20, turning 21. And then I started directing when I was tw- turning 20. Like, that's when I got my first job. So from January up until now, I'm 23 now. That's the time period of when I started. And so when I initially started um, like getting into the industry, I was working with my older brother. So it was a safe environment. You know, I had somebody there who knew things and was able to protect me and, you know, guide me. But when I branched out working with other directors, obviously I started to meet new personalities and new people and just trying to adjust to new environments that I wasn't familiar with. And what I learned from that is that, you know, these people's personalities that you're dealing with they're different from your own and they may not always be the most pleasant but you can't take it personal because before I used to take it yeah. personally and because I used to take it personally it would kind of cause some sort of like like it would kind of give me this look like oh she's rude or she's stubborn when really that wasn't the yeah case. now you look like you're hard to work with I just didn't feel like how certain people would speak would be right even though by the end of the day that's the client mm. they'll say I'm hard to work with so I realized that okay I need to change my mindset and understand that the reason why these people act like this way and how can I act in a way that's not going to make them perceive me as somebody who's stubborn or negative or difficult to work with. Was it more so about sort of their juggling different egos and different ways of working or specifically, you know, just working with other men, for for instance, and maybe being in a position where, you know, as the, the music director, you are calling the shots and you may have to be the one that's making decisions and giving directions to everybody. Is that something you feel like you had to manoeuvre around? Yeah, it was a bit of everything that you just mentioned because I definitely think that me starting up as a producer first gave me the backbone to stand as a director. I don't feel like if I wasn't, if I just jumped in as a, as a director, I don't feel like I would have really had that sternness to be able to speak to people and be very authoritative mm. when, you know, um, I'm speaking to them because as a producer, you have a lot of stress, you, have, you work under pressure a lot. So because you are the producer, you're responsible for the whole project. So you really have to show that strength and certainty to the rest of your team because it's like you're the leader so I think me being a producer I, I learned those skills that I was able to transition into my direction career and then it, it made it easier working with men and women as well with different egos and personalities and just making it a more comfortable and safe environment for not just myself but for everyone 
But what I did initially start, it, it definitely was difficult. Definitely do get people with egos that don't want to be brushed the wrong way. And it's like, yeah. being black as well, you always have that perception that, you know, you're the, the, the loud black girl, the rude black girl, or just, you know, when you're black, people just kind of think that you're rowdy or whatever. So it's, it, it kind of puts you on edge because you don't want to do anything that's going to make anybody put you in a box or yes. into some type of therapy. So you're, you're always walking almost walking on eggshells and not wanting to be perceived as too much either too loud like you said too exactly. loud or too boisterous or too confident which is then perceived as arrogance exactly. even now um that I've been doing this for a while even still I still make sure that I am careful with how I speak to people what I say you know because sometimes you could say something like okay I don't want you to do that and then somebody might feel like why are you speaking to me like that? And it's just like, that's just how I speak. I just have a monotone voice, you know, but somebody yeah. might think that I'm rude or I'm, I have got a problem with them, you know. So what I found that was a good solution was actually just getting to know your client in detail way before the shoot, like even whether that's the phone call or meeting them in person, maybe once or twice before the shoot, just kind of meeting them in a calm environment just to kind of understand their mindset how they think you know why they behave that kind of way so just breaking that barrier and building some sort of relationship first so that when you do move into a professional environment you've got a mutual understanding of what both of you expect and how they work sometimes you may not always get the opportunity because an artist might be flying in the night before or the morning of the shoot. So you may not get an opportunity. You might be speaking to their team members instead. And their team might be good, but the artists themselves might be, you know, completely different. Yeah. But I just find that when artists arrive on set, you just take a moment to introduce yourself to them, let them know your position. At the end of the day, their team have obviously trusted you and they've obviously trusted you to some extent to deliver their concepts. But I just think building that familiarity with them kind of makes them feel like, okay, let's just get over and done with like everything should be should be calm and collective so yeah okay so you've been working in the industry from almost really young and I'm assuming have you ever done like a nice to five or would you then jump straight into the industry um so I never actually attended university straight from college that's when I started and I've never had a nine to five but I have had a couple of part-time jobs so I started working from the age of 15. I just had different random jobs. Most of the jobs I've had, I I was always working as like a sales advisor in a supermarket. But any job I had never lasted more than three months. So like I was working in Sainsbury's and I'd move from Sainsbury's to Waitrose and from Waitrose to Marks and Spencer's. And then I'd go back to Waitrose again. And I was just thinking, like, why can't I keep a job? I I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, my last job that I had, I was working in the gym, but um, I didn't go to university, not because I didn't get into university. I actually got accepted into all five of my choices. But um, the time that I was supposed to go, I knew that deep down I didn't want to go. I knew that I was just going because my mum wanted me to go and study. But yeah. my brother, my brother, he actually dropped out of university. He was studying media. And then he was just asking me, like, where are you going to study? And I was like, oh, in accounting or international business. And he was just like, really? girl you sure you want to do that and I was like no I don't but you know, <laughs> so, saying, so from young you, you kind yeah. of knew like the, what was for you and what wasn't for you like the the path that you wanted to walk 
Um, not really. Like, I, I, for me, I was just somebody that I knew I was creative, but I didn't know I could make that into an actual job. Yeah. Like, I, I was always writing. From, like, I started writing first before anything. And I was somebody who, like, I studied art in school. I studied textiles. Like, I was always into that kind of artsy craft stuff. And whenever it comes to, like, the other topics, even though I was good in them, like maths, geography, French, I just wouldn't really care. I just want to be out of the lesson. But I did know that I wanted to study business because I knew that even if I don't know what I want to do right now, if I study business, I can still make money in this world at some point. So yeah, that's for sure. But I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So then transitioning into the creative industry and working in it, I'm assuming it almost sometimes takes a, a leap of faith. Like, you know, you're saying you, even though sometimes you weren't clearly sure how to make money in the, in the industry and make it work for you you almost had that faith to just kind of go in and do it oh yeah for sure I remember when I finished college it was like summer holidays I think and I was with my friend at the time and everybody like I went to the whole like I went to um Hertfordshire University I went to check out the accommodation everything you know and I remember I was with my friend because we both went to check out so on our way back um we went to link up with one of her other friends and then he didn't know who I was. So he was just like, oh, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you studying? And I was like, oh, I'm taking a gap here. And then they were just like, really, like, oh, what are you doing with yourself? And I was like, yeah, I'm taking a gap here because I want to write. So I want to just see if it bangs. If it doesn't bang, then it doesn't bang. I'll go to uni. <laughs> so my my rule was that I'm going to take a gap here. I told my mom I'm taking a gap here. And if I don't make any progress in this gap here, I'll go to university. And she was like, all right, cool. So my friend my friend was just laughing, like, you're making a very big mistake, you know. But that big mistake is what got me to where I am today. I would say that I'm a very naturally driven person. Like, if I say I'm yeah. going to set my mind, even though I may not accomplish it there and then, I will still accomplish it at some point, and I'm not going to stop until I do. So with, within that gap year, that's when you wrote your screenplay. You- so I wrote this, yeah, so the series, I actually was writing it when around, like, April, when I was still kind of in college. But um, so around like April, I started writing and I think around summertime, we started shooting and then the series came out at the end of the year, 2015, up until 2016, um, January. I think my gap year hadn't really started properly. Yeah, so that's when I started working part time and then getting producing jobs here and there in between that time. But I was still working just different jobs in that gap year. Yeah, just um, just to clarify for the audience, you won an award at the Screen Nation Film and Television Awards in 2016 for a six-part series that you wrote called A Lesson Learned. I believe that's still available online. Yeah, 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 yeah. the first season's online. Politics won the award. That's what convinced my mum, like, okay. Like, literally, just before I was supposed to go to university, that's when I found out we got nominated. So I told my mum, like, mum, you've been nominated. And she's like, do you get money? <laughs> She's like, do you get money for the? the, the and I was like, no, but like, you know, still, because I've never won, an, I've never won anything in my life. Like, I've never won, you know, like in school. Yeah, where you, like, you won, you win like little awards here and there. Yeah, maybe attendance. You might get an award. Like, I've never won anything, so that's literally my first ever accomplishment in my life. You know, that I've ever physically received. So I can imagine that obviously propelled your your career a little bit and helping you gain credibility and recognition as well. Oh yeah, definitely. That definitely like was the the seed of my career. I think because I had that was my first ever project I ever produced. 
So it was just like, if I can produce six episodes of a whole series, I, of course I can produce a music video. Like, how can you tell me that I can't produce a music video? So that was kind of like my, that was like my evidence, like, well, you better hire me because look what I just created, you know? So that's, yeah. it kind of made it easier to transition into music videos. And the reason why I transitioned into music videos was because the series took me so long for me to write and produce. One, because I, I barely knew what producing was, so I was learning on the go. And then two, I had to keep on working to save money for the series, but then I'd get fired and I'd have to find a new job. But then I wouldn't have enough time to actually be present for the series. So it was just like, I need to do something that is quicker. And music videos were like, you know, you shoot them one day, it comes out maybe the following week or so. So for me, it was just easier to show people my work with something that was quicker compared to like a film that takes months to finally be released. In the future, is it something that you definitely still want to do or have you worked on anything else that's more of series and film related? Like we tried to, like we were filming the second season on and off, like literally on and off from from like 2017 up until like 2019. We were filming it on and off, but then it's like my life has changed since then so I'm not as free as I was before like now I have other things that I'm doing on the side so it's like I'm not as free and also because this is what I do full time I kind of have to prioritize other jobs that are coming in that are paying me compared mm. to, even though I want to do my own projects it's like I need the money from the other jobs to be able to invest into the other jobs and then also because I filmed the show with my brother as well like he films it so he filmed and directed and I wrote and produced it but then our schedules too are not in alignment. So maybe I'll be in London, he'll be in LA. He'll come back from LA, I'll be in Ghana. He'll come back from Ghana, <laughs> I'll be in London. You know. But I have been, um, especially during this quarantine period, I've definitely been devoting a lot of my time to a lot more um, short films. All the films I wanted to write when I said I didn't have no time, I've been writing them now, so that's good. So when this whole quarantine is done, you can definitely expect some new projects to be released at least by the end of this year to the next year. Oh, great. We look forward to it. I mean, it seems as if the quarantine has definitely done people some good. I mean, it's been it's a negative thing that we're going through. Um, but I think the positives of it is that everybody's been able to kind of focus a little bit and just kind of think about all the things that they were not doing before and now have, like you said, found time to dedicate their time to doing, um, you know, whether that's their passion projects, starting a YouTube, starting a podcast or whatever it is that they wanted to do. They're now finding the time to do that. Um, now, just moving forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. In 2019-2020, you were listed as one of Forbes Africa 30 Under 30. Just to give context, in the description they said, our 30 Under 30 are the continents, revolutionary thinkers, revitalizing ideas and industry with fresh business models and leadership. How did that make you feel? I was happy. I was really happy. Like When I found out the news, like, I literally just woke up and my sister told me, so I was kind of just like, huh? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's like, what? I was just literally like, what are you talking about? I was like, I was so happy that I, I didn't have anything to say. You, you just know? gobsmacked. With me, yeah, I was gobsmacked. But with me, naturally, how I am, I when I set myself like certain goals, it's more so like my own personal goals. Like, okay, like, e.g., this organization that I started, I didn't start it with the expectation of, okay, if I do this, I know it's going to end up on GQ magazine or it's going to end up in Forbes, it's going to end up in Times. So it was more just like, I have a goal to do something and I want it to impact people. 
and it's like it just happens to also be featured on Forbes. So I was like, oh wow, it's nice to be yeah credit, like acknowledged like a platform, you know. But then it's more so just like it gives me motivation to just keep on going and just keep on impacting more people. Does it add pressure? Because I mean, to be listed under Forbes Africa, so it's not even just like you know it's in one country it's the entire continent and they've selected it's just 30 individuals that they feel deserve to be on this list is incredible and it's an honor like does it you know just add that extra pressure to do more not not necessarily for me because with or without the Forbes I was doing more anyway yeah you know? so for me like nothing can ever make me rush what I want to do because me taking my time is what got me in those places or what got me listed on those platforms. Mm. So I understand your question. Some people might feel like, oh my gosh, now that I'm on Forbes, I have to I have to go and start 20 more organizations. Ooh, yeah. I have to go and shoot 100 more people. It's like, no, you don't have to. You know, it's quality over quantity. So for me, um, it's like, like I said, it's a great, it's like it's a humbling thing to be like, oh wow, like out of 3,000 people, I've been chosen out of just 30, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of amazing people who, we were shortlisted but it's just like me working at my own pace and me taking my time to create the content is what got me acknowledged so it just makes sense for me to continue at the pace that I was working at because that's clearly what's working already. I love what you've just said about it's quality over quantity and that's what will get you recognized and make you stand out because I can imagine as a creative sometimes you may fall under the pressure of just creating content to get things out there and to stay relevant and to stay in people's face almost in terms of just pushing out content to just always be at the forefront but like you're saying, sometimes it really is just about creating quality content that people will love in the long run versus creating it for the sake of creating it. Exactly. And also, I feel like when you create good content or you, you carry yourself in a way that people respect you, you're always going to be remembered. No one's going to forget you, you know. So when you build your own platform or when you build yourself to a level where people have recognized you without you begging for their attention, they're always going to mm. keep an eye out. Where it comes authentic. Yeah, when it's authentic. There's been times where, like, I'll be shooting maybe for, like, the whole week and I won't post a single Insta story. See, it's like I'm working. I don't even have the time to be on my phone like that. And then it's just like, what am I posting for? Like, I think everybody who follows me gets the gist that I'm a director now. So it's like, why do I need to keep proving it, you know? Obviously, I will still post when I when I feel like it. But my point in this being is that you don't have to keep on posting you can post your, your stuff, but you don't have to force to make stuff to look like you're working harder than you already are. Yeah, so the work will speak for itself eventually. Like, you, do, you don't have to shout it out at the rooftops at all times. <laughs> you don't have to shout from the rooftop. You don't have to shout from the rooftop. Like, people will find... There's a saying that says, like, build and they'll come. Once you build, people are going to come. You know, they're going to come and find you, so... I prefer things that way. Like even like when it comes to like my Instagram, most of most of the time when I get jobs, it actually comes through word of mouth. Like people that sometimes people that I've even worked with, you know, yeah. will just say, so and it's like sometimes like my page will even be on private. And my friends will be like, Why is your page on private? And I'm just like, I don't want all these people following me. Like it's just like I don't know. I have almost ten thousand followers. I'm just I don't know ten thousand people. Like, I don't what they what are they looking at on my page? Like what do they want? <laughs> my page but some people would feel like no you need followers because followers brings it and it's like yeah I guess if you have a lot of followers you know you can you can do more stuff you know but 
for me, I, I like to live on the outside world because I always try and think that if Instagram deleted today forever, what what would people do? You know, yeah. you have to really be like outside of social media because those network, those clients are probably the ones that are going to bring you more jobs compared to the ones on social media because the people on social media, they're seeing other people posting a hundred posts of them working, so they're going to probably forget you. Whereas the people that you build, you built um, relationships outside of social media. It's more personal and they're more connected. So whenever some, they have something, they're going to always think of you because you were the last person that impacted them. Absolutely. Something else I wanted to talk about was in that sort of space, you know, you talked about confidence earlier, but have you ever had to deal with maybe self-doubt or just dealing with maybe not feeling as if, oh, actually, I'd like you know, imposter syndrome, because a lot of people sometimes suffer with with that, where they feel like, how did I even get here to the space where I'm working with such amazing artists, such huge artists, global artists, like, do I ever deserve to be here? You know, is it something that you've, you've ever had to deal with? Or have you always been very confident and strong in your identity and who you are? Um, so I'll say it's a bit of both. Because when I like started out, directed it's not like I said okay if I don't work with Burner Boy before end of 2020 that's it like you know it's just yeah. like oh someone wants to shoot Burner Boy oh wow that's amazing you know so it was more just like I want to do this job because I want to create but there's definitely a lot of times when it's like because I have such big dreams and I have big such big goals I'm just like oh my gosh when am I gonna <laughs> I'm trying to get this one thing done and it's not happening oh my gosh my sister would be like, my sister would literally be like, Priscilla, you're 23, yeah? Relax. <laughs> She's like, you're 23. <laughs> like, you've, you've got such a long way to go. You're still a baby. Like, you've done so much in such a short space. But, you, like, don't beat yourself up about it because you still got a lot of time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I definitely do get a bit like, I don't know if imposter syndrome is the right word, but I feel a bit down. Like, oh, my gosh, like, I plan to do this this year. Everything is not going to plan. Nothing is going well. So then you experience the opposite where you feel like I should be at a higher level and I should be doing more and I should be at a certain level already. Exactly. But then people be like, Priscilla, you're already doing really well. What are you talking about? You've done this. I'm just like, it's not enough. I need to do more. Because <laughs> with me, it's like, like, I don't know what it is, but it's like sometimes I find it hard to embrace. So sometimes it kind of comes across as if I don't care about something. And really, that's not the case. It's just that so it's like I don't need to keep on talking about it you know I'm, I'm yeah. already, I've already moved on to my next plan yeah so it's like okay we've, we've done this we've worked with this person we've shot this video it's great what's next and what are we working on exactly sometimes some people will be like to me oh my god so like, how does it feel when I work with that person I'm like yeah it's cool they're human beings you know as much as I'm happy to work with them I'm not like starstruck where I can't focus and I'm now losing myself it's just like listen I'm here for a job I'm here to achieve the job and then go home that's literally it so sometimes it might come across as you don't care about anything like literally doesn't matter what what happens even if it's like I get an MBE it'll be like wow I'm so excited but then by the next week or so I'm just like oh my life is my life is rubbish. I'm thinking like you just want to be. How can you? <laughs> yeah, like how can you be already over it? Like it should be. I feel like because I have such big goals, I'm, I don't seek validation from materialistic things or titles. Like I'm not in it for the clout. And I know that the clout is gonna come naturally, whether I want it or to yeah. come or not. But I'm not gonna do things to purposely chase. You know, yeah. But like another thing is because I'm. I just turned 23 this year. But sometimes I feel like inside, I feel like I'm like 30. And I think it's because 
I like to research so many things. I like to acquire a lot of knowledge when I can. So I think sometimes I think I'm older than I am already. So that's why I want to achieve more. But, but really and truly, I'm just a normal 23-year-old, you know. So essentially, it's more so like in your mind, there's a goalpost which is like 10 yards away from you. And you could be, you know, just like six yards in, but you're already thinking... I need to be at 10. I'm not focused on the fact that I've done six yards already. I need to figure out how I'm going to conquer the rest of the four yards ahead of me. Exactly. That's exactly that. You put it so well. So just mentioned about, you know, for you, it's not about the clout and everything else, but building something. And you started your social organization. Can you tell us a bit about that and what the goal of it is? It's called Young Entrepreneurs. And the reason why I chose that name is because I would consider myself as an entrepreneur from a young age. I started working for myself around 21. And I always felt like if I can do it full time at a young age, other people can see especially in the creative arts industry when you're when is that you're responsible for doing everything yourself so the purpose of the organization is to get industry professionals in different creative fields to help equip young talents with the right knowledge but more so in the business side of the creative arts industry because you can have a talent but not a lot of people know how to make money from their talent and how to have different income streams with their talent because just because you're a musician doesn't mean that you, you just put your song on, on Spotify and that's it. There are like at least 10 other ways you can make money from just being a musician, but not many people know because they don't understand the business side to their craft. So even that as well, what makes the organisation stand out is that I like to attach actual career opportunities and actual work experience or access to resources in those specific topics that we're teaching just because it's like we've had two workshops so far the first one was a director and cinematography workshop where the winner got to direct a music video for an, a Ghanaian artist called Joey B, which actually turned out really, really great. And it's like, for me, it just I just want to show people that the youth have the talent. It's just that they're not, they haven't been given the platform to show their skill because people don't want to take risks on them. And I know how it feels to not to have people not take risks on me because I was inexperienced, but most importantly, because I was young. People automatically associate you being young with being inexperienced. So they don't want to give you the experience to get the job. And if you don't have a job, how can you get experience? For me, it was just like, okay, yeah, I've been through it. And I don't think other people should go through it. So that was the solution. I commend that you recognise that there was such a gap in the industry between the upcoming artists and the ones trying to get in the industry and the ones that are already experienced. So, you know, you were able to just fill in that gap and to bridge the two together and make sure that the ones that have experience are able to give the younger people coming into the industry that experience and the knowledge and the wisdom and those connections to, to build that gap. So moving forward, I have a little game that I want to play. It's just pretty much quick fire round questions. Okay, so are you ready? Yeah. Out of all of the music videos that you have directed or produced, what has been your favourite so far? Um, like I would have to break it down in terms of favourite, like if it's like favourite concept or favourite cinematography or like favourite location. Like- Okay, give me favourite overall and favourite location. Okay, so favourite location is when I went to LA because I had never been to America before. So it was nice to just go to America. And obviously, like, the aesthetics there are completely different compared to London. But favourite video... Like, it changes. Like, (laughs) it changes from time to time. (laughs) But, um, okay, maybe the one that came from the workshop right now is probably my favourite because... um, 
is from the workshop. Yeah, so I like that. It's called um, Califina Slowdown Future Medical. Okay, what's your favourite thing about being a video director? The perks of it, what's your favourite part? I like to be creative and think out the box when the artist allows me to. I like to create ideas that I probably wouldn't be able to film. It's nice to have that experimental aspect to being a video director. Okay, if you could give yourself your 15-year-old self-advice, what advice now would I it be? Old. When you say 15-year-old, now I thought, <laughs> I would tell my 15-year-old what, what I learned, which is opinions aren't facts, you know, because when my friend had the opinion saying that I'm making a mistake by not going to university and I listened Lord knows where the heck I'd be right now you know so had I listened to her opinion I, I wouldn't be where I am so opinions aren't facts definitely you know you can you can hear people's opinions but you don't have to listen and apply it like if you don't feel like it benefits you because at the end of the day a lot of the times when people give advice it's from their journey and everybody's journey is different so just because I mm. break down of what works for me that doesn't necessarily mean that you can apply the exact same thing and it's going to work for you just the same way it works for me. It could work for you, but it may not work the exact same way that it worked for me. You're so right. Like, I remember like a video where they were pretty much echoing what you've just said about sometimes people's opinions are just based on, on their journey, their history, their experiences, and sometimes their own fears. So, for instance, your friend was telling you this may not be the best thing to do potentially for her because she may not have been able to make it work she doesn't have your talents and your expertise and your vision so like especially when it comes to your vision I think particularly you know you can't always take other people's opinions because they don't see what you see they don't have that vision that you have you know so okay the last question what makes you happy Um, what makes me happy is when people are happy. I know that sounds so dumb, like, what do you mean when people are happy? If I'm to use my workshop as an example, so for my first ever workshop that I ever did, I had never done a workshop in my life. I never had no experience with workshops, right? I just went to Ghana and said, I'm going to do a workshop. And two people from Nigeria came all the way to Ghana just to attend the Wow. I didn't know them. You know, they weren't following me on Instagram. I was so, like... I think that one, I was actually like, wow, someone needs to pinch me because I can't believe that somebody would travel from, buy a plane ticket, pay for their accommodation, pay for their transport, and then pay for the workshop. Even though they didn't even win, they still value what they learned from the workshop and just the connections that they made. And that made me so happy because I wasn't actually going to do another workshop. We're gonna just, it wasn't actually supposed to be an organisation. It was supposed to just be one one-off workshop and that was it for directors. And because of the response and how much people are like, wow, we can't believe that this doesn't exist already. Like, you need to do more. Just those two people coming... I mean, obviously, I appreciate the ones that were already in Ghana that came, but the people from Nigeria, I was like, wow, you know what? I the fact, And then the fact that they were just like, you know what, I'm so happy because, like, you've taken your time to properly, like, um, break down the class. Like, it's not like you just copied and pasted the information from Google or YouTube. So when other people are happy based off what I do or how I inspire them, it makes me happy. That's beautiful. I love that. Pretty much what you're saying is, you know, just being able to add value to other people's life is, you know, it brings you joy and it brings you happiness. Again, just like I commend you so much for generally just putting this together and realizing that it was important to be able to impart knowledge onto other people. And, you know, there's sometimes there's such a big gap and people don't know how to get into certain industries. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the connections to do so. And you just took it upon yourself to do that. 
Um, I'm sure they were super, super grateful and, and they were able to gain so much from that. So well done for that. Thank you. That's amazing. Okay, where can people find you? Like, where can we see your work? What can we look forward to in the future? Instagram, which is Silla Orisu. And it's the same for Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And then um, what they can look forward to. I'm definitely going to dedicate this year to more films because if I don't do it, nobody else will do it for me. No one's going to just sit there and be like, hey, can you shoot my film for me? So, I mean, even if they do, it may not be the ideas that I want to execute. So this year, I definitely want to be spending more time in Ghana and just doing more of my own personal content, you know. That's why I want to focus on this. I feel like the music videos, they will always come to me. I'm happy with what I've done so far, so I can choose to take a break when I want and know that I can always come back to the music videos when I want to. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and your experiences and everything else. I mean, I've learned from you. I'm sure the audience have learned something from you as well. So thank you for that. And continue being you. Continue being the boss that you are and creating the content that you're creating because, again, it inspires somebody else out there. So thank you. Lastly, from me, don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify to make sure that you don't miss out on any new episodes. If you're enjoying the topics, loving the conversations, make sure to share it with your friends and family so that they too can join the movement, join the family. And I will catch you on the next episode.